GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome everybody to the Last Action Podcast. Uh, it's I, Sphinx, and joining me, we've got LPJ. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. Yeah, here, I'm here. It's me. It's LPJ. You're so right awkward. Out. But you busted me out of prison, you know, to come help you on the show, and we're gonna go be really racist and you know and 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 um, controversial. I, and, you haven't you haven't introduced me yet, but if you two are planning on being very racist for this episode, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna bow out before we get too far into it. I think Hovercraft Joe and I are both out. You can do this on your own. <laughs> We'll give you 48 hours to do it, too. Oh, man. And, take, uh, and joining us, we also have Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> what is What's up, up guys? Uh, nothing. That was a very, that that was a flawless <laughs> intro and start to this episode. Stuck the landing and everything. It was great. Oh, it was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people, people tune in every week for the great intros to this show, so I'm sure they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we are talking about 48 hours uh uh-huh. today tonight whenever you're listening um release date on this is december 8th 1982 um I-, I guess i can start with my like kind of history with this movie and it's pretty easy because i knew this was a movie i knew it existed i knew there was a sequel to it and i had never seen it uh, and then I watch it for this podcast on Paramount Plus. That's it. Yeah, Thanks. pretty similar story here. I knew this was a movie, and there was a sequel called Another Forty Eight Hours, and it had Eddie Murphy. And it's supposed to be a buddy cop movie, so I'm thinking like Beverly Hills Cop. But I've never seen it in my life, and I love Beverly Hills Cop. That should have been a huge warning sign for me, <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, so this is my first time seeing it as well. Yeah, like, same. On all <laughs> counts. I knew it was a movie. I knew that people spoke highly of it. Um, yeah, uh, it's people spoke highly of it, I suppose. I don't even know how to couch this. It, I don't know why people speak highly of this movie. Um uh- I mean, yeah, I we not to put my cards now. on the table, but but yeah, <laughs> no, I have never seen this before, except for the podcast. And okay, let's just let's just move on. Uh, okay, so that, that stay tuned. This is gonna get fun. Um, okay, so uh, budget on forty eight hours is twelve million dollars. Twelve million dollars. I said that weird. Um, it goes on to gross seventy eight million dollars. I don't know if that's worldwide domestic. I could. Ju- this is one of those weird ones where it just said. 78 million dollars I, so. I i would guess it's probably domestic could be and i i, I, I don't know I if this is bringing much of an international crowd right? yeah that's the thing yeah i guess you're right but it seems like i don't know based on where it yeah it could be anyways we're gonna say that later so 78 million dollars it makes um but then it is, didn't uh it didn't make a ton of money right from what i read it cost 
a way more money than they originally thought, right? So no, it made well, a lot of money. It, like I mean, I mean, I thought it, it com- barely, I thought it barely broke even. I thought I read. Uh, I, I mean, mixing not, this I mean, up with a different movie, I think so. You could, you could be, because what I'm looking at is that it cost 12 million to make, and it made 78 million. So, all right, I should just let you keep talking instead of interrupting. Then. <laughs> yep. Listen, man, I don't tell you what the taglines are. Don't tell me what the numbers are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair enough. So, and then this kind of blew my mind. It has a Rotten Tomatoes of 93%. Yeah, that's like uh, LPJ was saying earlier, like. This movie is widely acclaimed. Like, I've heard of people that said that they really enjoy this movie, and <clears throat> critics like it, and viewers like it, and it even won, like, awards. And I'm dumbfounded by all of that, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Well, Putting my a little, cards up. A little more in line, even though still seemingly kind of high, it has an audience score of 69%. So maybe more in line with kind of how I feel like people would feel about this, but still maybe a little. <laughs> my, my thought, and I think you two will both totally agree is this movie has aged horribly. Yes. And yes. it was probably more, you know, popular and the things that they dealt with and talked about were way more. Okay. Back in the eighties and even the nineties. And now it's cringeworthy yeah. here in 20. Yeah. And, well, and, th- and, this is, and this is, this is early 80s, too. I mean, 82, so we're, yeah. you know... I think you're right. I think I think when this movie came out, it was probably hailed as being groundbreaking. But looking back at it now, I think it seems far more... Um, it seems a lot less groundbreaking and more... Um, 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 it, it really didn't understand, like how to deal with racial relations, like even poking fun at it. It didn't even poke fun at it in a fun, um, satirical way. It just kind of like hit the easy jokes. Yeah. And I don't think it did it in a very progressive way. I think it was, it's, I think it's, I, I just, I don't get the acclaim for this movie, especially in, in, in couching it in terms of its progressiveness at the time. I just don't get it. Yeah. Right. It, well, I, I, I not to cut you off. I'm sorry, uh, but I would just say that, like, I, I think our only issue is is that we can't look at it through the lens of people seeing it in 1982 for the first time. So it's hard for it's easy. I, I'm not defending the movie or its content in any way, but it's easy for us to be like, oh, that's it's not groundbreaking. But we're not watching it with fresh eyes from 1982 so that i and you know that goes for any movie we do that's in the past but i you know i think it's it's hard for us to judge how people viewed it in nineteen. you're right and i think that speaks not it speaks more to the like my comment speaks more to the era of 1982 than this movie specifically i think it's Mm -hmm. more in 1982 this is actually the way people thought things should be handled um Versus now where, and I'm not saying we have any grasp on how to handle race relations better or, or well, um, but I think we can do we do it better now than we did in 1982. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'd also chime in that, I mean, at least we can give the movie a, a level of credit in the genre it creates, which, again, yes. with us knowing and having way more experience with better buddy cop movies... I think it's allowed us to look at this movie retroactively and see like, all right, I can see where there are parts of the pieces of a buddy cop movie in this film. Cause it's kind of the OG movie for it. But 
luckily, you know, as time has gone on, we've seen much better renditions of of that with a lethal weapon or a rush hour or whatever it may be. Well, not only that, not only the buddy cop film, but the idea of having like an action movie. Um, action comedy in action I mean, comedy like and you can see uh, we should we should probably say this is produced by Lawrence Gordon and Joel Silver this is their first kind of collaboration together you this can is see Joel Silver's first production first full production yeah. You, yeah you can see that this movie is kind of the germ that that blossoms into everything else those two do together like you can see like all of their ideas kind of they had them they weren't quite fully formed yet, but they're here in this movie, and then it just took them maybe a couple years to refine what their idea and what their what their vision of a buddy cop movie was going to be and what an action movie was going to be, and then you get something like Lethal Weapon and Rush Hour Beverly and Hills Bad cop. Boys and Beverly Hills Cop, um, and then even onto things like, you know, <clears throat> things like Predator. You know, Joel Silver goes on to make Predator. He has a much better understanding at that point of of action movies and action sequences and how to put stuff like that together and make it enjoyable for, for a wider audience. Um, but I think it all starts from this film. So, so we have to give a lot of respect to the fact that this is kind of the movie that's not started all of it, but really, um, ignited um, it. Ignited it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So top grossing movies of 1982, you have number one, E.T., the extraterrestrial. You have number two, uh, Tootsie. And number three, an officer and a gentleman. This movie, 48 Hours, comes in seventh. Now, we have done two other movies in 1982. Do either of you wager a guess at one of these you guys, both of you should get? One's a Bond film. I'm trying to think which one it would have been. Nope, there's not a Bond film. Oh, it's not one is One is one that you guys should really get. Because I had to put up with your discussion about it all the time. Oh, it's a Wrath of Khan. Oh, Wrath of Khan. <laughs> yes, Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan was number six, and then we also covered number thirteen, uh, First Blood. I was going to say eighty-two is not a popular year, from what I remember. No, we haven't done that many. There's there there's some movies in it. It's like okay, but yeah, those are the only ones we've covered. So and even um, you going off of the top grossing movies like E two or E T Tootsie Officer and Gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> No yeah, thanks. Really? <laughs> no uh, thanks. Um, okay, so uh, cast of this, we've already we we kind of danced around a little bit, but you got Nick Nolte playing Jack Cades, Eddie Murphy playing Reggie Hammond, which um, it's his first uh, film yep. debut, yeah, right? Yeah. Obviously, Saturday Night Live fame, but this was his first uh, movie role, which um, seems which seems kind of obvious. I feel like in this movie, he doesn't he doesn't fit well in here. No, um, I, you know, I, when we get to the role reversal, I'll talk more about that. Yeah. So, and then um, uh, Annette O'Toole as Elaine, who I'm kind of like, after finishing the movie, I'm like, why is she in this movie? Because nothing really goes on with her character. Like, there's nothing resolved at the end or anything. She, she had a bigger part. I, I thought you were shushing me for shh, a second. Shh, <laughs> listen, don't you talk bad about Annette O'Toole? Shh, I was, how dare you? I was like, I was like believe listen, you. I, Talking I bad she, about I, Ma Kent. I yeah, I can't believe you're talking it. bad about Ma Kent. Why would you do that? No, no, no. She had a she had a much larger role, but this movie, which we'll talk about, got rewritten a lot, uh, and her role was essentially eliminated, with the exception of the scenes that you see in the film. 
Um, okay. <clears throat> Other people I want to mention, uh, and you know, uh, we just did the Warriors, so you got James Remar yep. playing Gans okay. and uh, David Patrick Kelly playing Luther, who I believe Luther's his name in the Warriors too. That's that the uh, that's the Warriors come out and play guy. Yep. Um, yes, sir. Who, who else do you guys want to talk about? Uh, there's a lot uh, of people. Denise Crosby, yeah. uh, Star Trek's Tasha Yar, obviously. Yep. That, her, means, that means nothing to me. She's the blonde girl in her underwear that's like the roommate, I guess, or yeah, girlfriend? That hits, that hits, that hits really Eddie Murphy with the baseball bat. Okay, but yeah. I, I don't know who I don't know who she is in Star Trek. So. Yeah, she's in Star Trek Next Generation. She's the security officer in the first season, and she gets killed like with like five episodes left to go in the first season. Okay, yeah. and then she comes back in recurring roles as various other characters. Uh, no, just just okay. We're that good? was enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Jonathan oh, Banks. I was going to say Jonathan Banks. I forgot to mention Jonathan Banks. Yeah. Jonathan good Banks. Um, uh, Brian James is in this. Brian James is the other cop. His partner, not his partner, but oh, like yeah. his Kehoe or whatever. Yeah, Kehoe. Yeah, he's Frank oh. McRae as well. Oh, I forgot to say Sonny Sonny Landum. Sonny Landum's in this. Uh, Peter Jason is in this as he's the cowboy bartender. He's a famous character actor. He's been in a bunch of different things. Um, <laughs> you know, this was Frank McRae's he's in Deadwood. first he's in, uh, role as a, a police captain. Do you know the other, yeah. maybe a, a bit of a I do. pop quiz, even though we don't do pop quizzes, but this is his first of four roles as a police captain. What are the other roles? Well, it's another 48 hours. Yep. Uh, is it Lethal Weapon? No. Nope. And, uh, oh, it's Loaded Weapon 1. <laughs> loaded Weapon 1, yep. And? Uh, 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 Our show's last action name. movie. Oh, yeah. Last that's a- right. Sorry. Yeah. La- la- last, last, last action hero. hero last yeah. action hero. Yeah. 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 And uh, he's Sharky from License to Kill. <clears throat> yep. As I always like to mention, because... I like him in that. Anyway, I would, I would love to do License to Kill on the podcast, but that's a conversation for another. Honestly, time. I was thinking about it with this theme of obscure. I feel like that fits as an obscure. We, we can re, me and LPJ can reignite our argument about whether or not it's a good film. Remember, I told him that it was simply because he makes a, a, a semi truck do a wheelie in it. Yeah, <laughs> and I Bless say, and I say nay. <laughs> um, okay, uh, you guys want to do uh, some net worth? Yep. Okay. Sure. Let us start off with uh, LPJ's favorite, Onet O'Toole, and yeah. that sweet, sweet Smallville money. What do you think, LBJ, for Onet O'Toole? Uh, I don't know, five million. All right, Sphinx. I was going to say four million. Ten million dollars. Stop lowballing okay. Onet right. O'Toole. All right, Sphinx. James Remar. He's got that sweet, sweet The Warriors money. <laughs> we just talked about him. I know. Uh, two million. All right. He's got that nope. sweet, sweet black lightning money. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go $3 million. $5 million. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, Nick Nolte, who is not dead. I had to, I had to double check. I, wasn't, <laughs> I thought maybe he was. He's not. He's 80 years old. He's still alive. Well, he's uh, 80? I didn't yeah. realize he was that old. He's old, but not dead. What do you think for uh, LBJ? What do you think for Nick Nolte? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> he probably spent all his money on cigarettes. Uh, I'll go I'll go $20 million. Okay. What do you think, Sphinx? I'll give him a little more. I'll say $30 million. $75 million. Hey. Good yeah. for him. Invested his money well. Uh, 
And then uh, finally, Eddie Murphy, that oh, sweet, man. sweet vampire of Brooklyn money. What do you think, uh, Sphinx? You mean that sweet, sweet Norbert money? Because um, <laughs> that's what was recommended after I watched this movie. Um, did you watch it? No, I did okay. not. All right, just check it. <laughs> it's it, it's got to be a huge number. Uh, two. Oh, but we talked about how he's got a bunch of kids and everything. Shit, I don't know. Two hundred million. Okay. I remember this was this was this was tricky because you're right. He's been married like three or four times. He's got something crazy like twelve or thirteen kids. Um, <clears throat> I'll say I, I'm going to say three hundred million. Uh, Sphinx is right on the button with two hundred million dollars. So. All right. Nice. Um, and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we touched on this a little bit already, but it's directed by uh, Walter Hill. Uh, who we just talked about for directing the Warriors. Yeah. Um, and he's MSU grad. I'll bring that up again. <laughs> and he's directed other things, which I don't have on hand, but you know. <laughs> Maybe we talked about hours. Maybe we talked about it last week. <laughs> I'll also bring up uh, some of the screenwriters, if that's all right. Yeah. Unless you've got them, Hovercraft Joe. I have them, but feel free, because that way I don't have to stumble through the one dude's uh, last name pronunciation. Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Roger Spotswoodle? Spottiswood. <laughs> Spotswood? All right. Roger Spotswood. Spottiswood. Who, who we have brought up uh, on have. the show for uh, Stop Where My Mom Will Shoot. Yep. <laughs> he didn't need it. Uh, but that. he also... Dir- he also directed Turner and Hooch and Tomorrow Never Dies, another Bond movie that might <laughs> might fit this year's theme. I, no, this is like underappreciated movies, not uh, worst Bond movies ever made. <laughs> hey, you like License to Kill Yourself, you said. And yeah, then, you said he directed uh, something different, though. You said Tomorrow well, Never Dies. Yeah, but we had referenced License uh, to Kill Yourself. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Steven D'Souza, uh, who is big with Commando, Die Hard, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And I know LPJ mentioned it earlier, and, and maybe he can jump that a little bit in. But when they brought D'Souza, I believe, was one of the original writers. And then people were not liking what he was doing. And that's when they brought in, um, what's his name? Shit. Larry, Larry Gross. Gross. Larry Gross. Thank you, Larry Gross. Right? Because yeah, it, it sounded wasn't... like... It sounded like to me that him and Larry Murphy didn't really agree a whole lot on the comedic side of the screenwriting. Larry, Larry Murphy, former Red Wing superstar, Larry Murphy. Yeah, Larry, I said Eddie Murphy. <laughs> oh, you did not. You said Larry. You said Larry Murphy. <laughs> you said Larry Murphy. You did. <laughs> I know what you, you meant. Go, you could well, go back whatever. to the tape, but you said Larry. It's Murphy. it's it's late. It's late. It's really yeah, it's not. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Uh, and D'Souza did not get along, it sounded like. So it, they kind of booted his ass and brought in. It sounded like Steven gross. D'Souza was trying to make, you know, an action movie. Yes. And that's apparently not what any of them wanted. I don't know. That, that's the other <laughs> weird thing. Like, it didn't Michael, turn into a comedy. I'll tell you that. No. Putting more of my cards down. This is not a funny movie at Michael, all. Michael Eisner was in charge of Paramount at the time that this was made. And he wanted more comedy in it, and he almost like fired everybody and started fresh at one point because it wasn't going well and it wasn't like what he wanted. I think he probably should have, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then <laughs> so <laughs> the music is by our, our old. Fr- yes, the music's by James Horner. I'm stealing this, <laughs> but I want to bring this up for a very specific specific reason. 
Because turn, James Horner does Star Trek? Hold on. No, I, I'm watching the movie, yeah. right? I turn the movie on. It starts starts going. And I hear some steel drums playing in the background. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. This and is I'm thinking too. to myself, oh, that's weird. This sounds a lot like Commando. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't realize I was watching. This is very strange. I had, it didn't even dawn on me until we started talking about it like before the show, before we started recording, that James Horner did the soundtrack for Commando and for this. And then I was reading later on, I was reading earlier, he basically took this and rewrote it for Commando. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. it, it, and I, this is the same thing, because like I <clears throat> saw that James Horner did the music, and I was, no, it, it, it's even worse than that, because uh, if anyone has Hulu, they just added Commando to Hulu, so I rewatched Ooh. it recently. I rewatched it recently, and I was like, oh, those damn steel drums, because I remember when we did the Commando episode, I think I had a quote where I was like, James Horner must have got like a deal on steel drums, <laughs> because like, and then like, so like, I see that he's doing the music for this when I start watching the movie, and then the movie's going out, I'm like, I'm hearing those damn steel drums again, and then like, then it went on, like you said, then it was like, he reused some of this music for Commando. <laughs> I listened to the two soundtracks, like one right after the other, like the main themes, and they sound very much alike. He just, <laughs> yeah. I, in other instances, like he like just kind of substitutes different instruments, but it's a very similar like beat. And yes, yes, obviously the steel drums. Which the steel drums don't make sense in either movie, but they go. They make a lot more sense in Commando. A little bit more because the jungle. But yeah, I was going to say definitely nowhere here. I was going to say they make slight sense in Commando because there's like jungle and he's on an island at the end and whatever. But this movie. I was like, "Damn it, James Horner!" And you know those, you know those San drums. Francisco steel drum gangs that get in the middle of the street, <laughs> start steel drumming. They have those drum offs. Yeah. yeah, they're they're in Fisherman's Wharf, you know, just going to town, and also in Alcatraz doing it. He's like, uh, like when Michael Scott comes back from vacation and he has a steel drum, and he's like <laughs> feeling hot, hot, hot. Uh, not to not to talk about Buster Poindexter too soon or anything, but uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that'll make sense hey. next week, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a future joke, guys. So get ready. Remember it now. Um, you'll 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 love it. You'll love it next week. Um, okay, unless you die and then you get flash forwarded into the future, which also references <laughs> the movie we're talking about yeah. next week. Yeah, you guys are gonna uh, love next week. Uh, <laughs> I love. <laughs> Why, why did we just do all that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I, my joke. I thought my reference was a little subtle. Then you kind of went ahead. <laughs> yeah, subtle. Really, we don't do subtle. You really no, kicked was, the door down. Uh, okay, kicked him in any, the dick. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, there's there's some of that in the next week's movie too. Uh, anyways, um, anything anyone wants to mention. No, no. Before we get into the, before no. we get into the plot, we should just, of this, right? we should just get going with we we got to get going with this. We can record next week's episode. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, okay, so forty eight hours. Here we go. Uh, we start off on a farm? Question mark. I was very confused by the opening when we got these like scenic shots of like a farm, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, not uh, until it said Nick Nolte was I like, okay, I think I'm watching the right movie here. Yeah, it was real weird. Um, <laughs> so is this but, Dances with Wolves? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, it was it was confusing, but uh, we're, we're shown a chain gang chain chain gang ugh. and they're like uh cleaning railroad tracks i guess i'm not or sure. removing them i don't know 
I think they were cleaning rocks off railroad tracks. I don't know. Anyways, so James Remar's there, uh, and, and then Sonny Landham shows up, and he's pretending like he's like, oh, I don't, I'm lost or whatever, but then he ends up shooting some cops, and it was like a setup so he could rescue James Remar, and they, like, take off, and they're gone. But this is immediately, like, the dialogue starts, and there's already, like, racism very thoroughly throughout the entire conversation. So it just like smacks you right in the face because Sonny Landon is playing as the Indian, as they like to call him. Uh, yeah. And it oh. just keeps going and going and going. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, reference. yeah. My like, the like fifth note I wrote for this movie is this movie seems like it's going to be very racist. And I was yeah. correct. Yeah. My uh, first line is lots of racism to start this movie. So, so they escape. Um, James Remar orders some hookers. Like, that's something he does. And, like, they're sitting with a dead body, and we don't really know who it is, but he's, like, on a park bench. But we kind of – we'll get back to that. What's later. his name again? His name's Gans, right? Gans, Gans is – G-A-N-Z uh, like zebra, yeah. 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 Gans and Billy Bear. That's um, right. Okay. We're introduced to Nick Nolte. Uh, he's a cop in San Francisco. His he's fucking some redhead. Yeah, his girlfriend is Zonette O'Toole. But don't worry about that because it doesn't matter. <laughs> um it really doesn't though like he has no. he wait he has a fight with her and like later on in the movie he calls her like one other time or he she calls that, him that's all they do is just fight like yeah. their scenes yeah. it's i think this is the only scene that they're actually together in the movie yes because i think you're right the rest of the scenes they're on the phone and every time they're on the phone they're yelling at each other it's like yeah. this is fucking stupid um, okay, so then we're introduced to Luther, who is the Warriors Come Out and Play guy, because I didn't know his name was Luther at first, so that's how I referred to him in my notes. Um, uh, uh, James Remar grabs him. They were like partners, and he's kind of like, hey, I want the money we stole. We're going to take your girlfriend as collateral, so you get us the money or we're going to kill her. Okay? Um, so then... Uh, Jonathan Bank we'll- shows up. Well, yeah, because Nick Nick Nolte just kind of like happenstance into like Jonathan Banks and this other guy. Like they're going to like check out something at a hotel. And yeah, I, I think there's supposed to be some sort of juxtaposition between Nick Nolte being a shitty cop and then these two like being better cops. Is well, that is that what they're trying to go yeah, with? I think, maybe I, I, I don't I, see. I didn't think it was that Nick Nolte was a shitty cop. I thought yeah. that he was kind of like a like a loose cannon. Cop, right, right. You know, right. like he didn't follow the rules and you know, he was he you know, like a typical action movie cop where he like he killed too many people and he does too much damage, but he's not necessarily like a bad like, cop. He gets the I job think, done. He just doesn't get it done properly. I think that they're just like more by the book kind of cops. Yeah, but weren't there conversations that he like struggled with like a partner and all that? Because remember, he was all bitching later about how he didn't want a partner. Well, you know, it's the whole, it's the whole. Uh, I know, you know but lethal weapon think, thing where, but I, I didn't want a partner. Him, yeah, but Riggs, like, there was evidence he was a good cop, and they showed it in the movie. I don't know if there's yeah. anything really shown in this movie yet that. No, but it's just a trope. That's the thing. It's it's just a trope. It's just, yeah, he's uh, the loose cannon that he doesn't want to work with anybody because he likes to do things his way and fuck everybody else. And I guess that also has to mean you have to have a shitty car because a car gets brought up throughout the movie. He's got this real beat up blue uh, Cadillac, which did you guys see who bought that Cadillac? (laughs) Yeah, it was bought and restored by Robert Van Winkle or Vanilla Ice, if you will. Stop. So, okay. 
So they go to this hotel. Um, like that's where James Remar and Sonny Lando now are. There ends up like like uh, Jonathan Banks' partner gets shot. Um, then like uh, it's James a Joel Remar- Silver movie, so we see tits and butt and all yeah, that. James- like for no reason, but it's there. Like he's got James Remar, but James Remar is Jonathan Banks. He makes Nick Nolte give him his gun, and then he like kills uh, Jonathan Banks with his gun. And all right, like, get up away. real quick, real quick. Doesn't he tell Nick Nolte to just drop the gun? I feel like he told Nick Nolte to just drop the gun, but then instead well, he actually gives it to him. Oh, which, I don't know. Why would you ever get like in any situation? I don't think a cop is ever going to just give their gun. No. To the bad guy, right? Ever. So, because obviously it backfires. Um, yeah, because Jonathan Banks gets killed and uh, him and Sonny Landon get away. Uh, so Nick Nolte is investigating the case. Um, one of the things that comes up is the uh, the dead guy that they showed earlier on the park bench. And they find out there's like, oh, like he was like part of like a gang with James Remar's character. And then they find which out. Which was weird, right? That should that must have been an edit that we lost, right? Because I was totally confused why all of a sudden there was a dead body. Or did I miss it? Well, they show the dead body when 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 they when they're when they're like when he's calling to order the hookers on the phone, yeah. like in the background on the park bench, you can see there's like the dead body there. Yeah. I'm guessing maybe there was a scene where they actually show them oh. killing this person, but yeah, it's kind of glossed over a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, it has a lot to it. Sorry. Not you, know, and, you know, and that's one of the things like they specifically made, went out to make a movie that wasn't plot heavy and more of a character movie. Um, so this plot is pretty thin. Yeah, real thin. Um, so, so like uh, the the angry police captain yells at Nick Nolte uh, a bunch, um, but like his clue is that Eddie Murphy was part of the same gang, but he's in prison. Uh, so he goes to see Eddie Murphy. Uh, they talk for a bit. His name's Reggie. Reggie Hammond, um, and then he ends up. Get, he's like, "All right, I'm going to get you out. Of, you can take him out of prison for." 48 hours to help solve the case. So he takes him out for 48 hours. Which reminds me, sorry, to back up real quick. It might lead to maybe LPJ's uh, conversation about role reversals, but apparently the idea of this movie was brought up back in the 1970s. And you guys, did you see what the original idea for the film was and where 48 hours had come from? Yeah, go ahead. You say that. Yeah, so apparently... um, that the governor of Louisiana's daughter was supposed to be kidnapped and the criminal had like dynamite attached to her head is yeah. what I read. Uh-huh. And they had, they were supposed to have 48 hours to pay the ransom. Uh, and then somehow that turned into this movie, but yep. that's, that was the original <laughs> idea back in the seventies. And then I'll leave who was supposed to be in that movie for later. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll save that little juicy nugget for later. Thank you. Thank you for throwing me a bone. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, yeah, man, man, Sphinx is really trying to step on everybody's part of the podcast. You know? He tried to get into the numbers. He's trying to steal your role reversal. He didn't, I, even, I, he didn't even tell us what the damn taglines were, Sphinx. I'm just that passionate about this fucking movie, which I'm not. Do you want me to say the taglines in the middle of our plot summary? Yeah. You I might as well. It. You hijacked everything else. <laughs> Fine. I'll do it. Uh, there's two. One apparently was only in Australia, which I guess answers the question earlier if this was done uh, globally. Good eye, mate. Yep. 
when a tough cop has a cool convict as a partner and 48 hours to catch a killer, a lot of funny things can happen in 48 hours. <laughs> why Why did they say 48 hours twice? It's Australia. They do what they want. I guess. They're just, ha- you know, uh, they're just happy they're not, they don't get killed by uh, scorpions and snakes and dingoes, you know, poisonous koalas or whatever the hell's down there. What the hell's a poisonous koala? It's not real. I made that up. Anyway, next tagline. <laughs> the next one is the the very famous one, and you can I can just looking at the poster here, I can see it very thoroughly. There, the boys are back in town. Which I, okay, Nick Nolte is a cop. Eddie Murphy is a convict. They couldn't have liked each other less. They couldn't have needed each other more. And the last place they ever expected to be is on the same side, even for. 48 hours. I am regretting my decision of having you go to the taglines. Why did they both have to end with the name of the movie? I don't know. Um, Okay. So back to the plot. Uh, He gets uh, Eddie Murphy out of jail for 48 hours. Um, uh, He takes him to go see Luther. uh, You know, warriors come out and play guy. Um, he like Luther like tries to immediately like shoot Nick Nolte <laughs> and then like he runs out and Eddie Murphy like hits him with a car door and they catch him. But like Luther still, I feel like he was very aggressive this whole scene. Uh, Nick Nolte and, does slap him around a little bit. And is pretty useless too, because Luther ends up telling them nothing. So they can't use him for anything. Like the movie moves on without Luther. For about another, what, like 20, 30 minutes? Because we get the weird scene at the bar. And then, like, somehow he, like, got out. And then he's back yeah. in the movie. But Well, yeah, well, because they, they take him to the police station. Because he, and, you know, fired at a fucking cop. You right, know? but you're right. He does, get, he does get free. Apparently, you can try and murder a police officer. And they're like, it's fine. Um, right. So, anyways, while they're at the police station, that this is when we get the first of two Onet of... Neto two phone calls where her and Nick Nolte yell at each other. Uh, while this is going on, Eddie Murphy is trying to pick up some hookers because a running plot of this is that Eddie Murphy wants to get laid. Um, and it comes up way more than you think it would in this movie because it's probably like the third most important plot thing. That yeah, keeps and he's super aggressive movie. about it, too. He's very and it's, aggressive. Though. And it's not funny. Like, no. that, was a, that was a part that they added to try to create humor. But it's not right. If it's not the right, funny right? Like, way. like, yeah, it's not, and it's Eddie Murphy, right? Like, but it's not funny. Like, it's just, right. it's it's more like desperation than like trying to throw a comedic element to it. It, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. So okay. So after this, they go to this redneck bar, right? Because they. Uh, Billy Bear, Sonny Landham apparently was a bartender there at one point in time, so they go there to try and get information. Uh, yeah, because you know all those redneck Southern Confederate bars in San Francisco. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I don't, I don't know what's in San Francisco. Maybe there was at the hey, time. Hey, in the 80s, um, you do. Um, I will say this. I do like the scene where he basically, like, Nick Nolte like, lets Eddie Murphy, like, okay, well, you try and get the information and, like, gives him the badge yeah. and lets him kind of act like the cop and, like, you know, I, I do kind of like this little bit where he where he acts like a tough guy and he like gets like ends up getting the information uh, from the bartender about like where Billy Bear's uh, girlfriend's apartment is. That's really interesting that you like this scene. I found this scene awkward and tense. Like I hated it. Oh, it just it seemed so 
just it it just seemed really weird to me. Like it the did, way Eddie Murphy tone. was cl- right. It had a really weird tone because the way Eddie Murphy was acting as a cop too. And and again, this is maybe another conversation about like this is 1982 and here we are in 2022. But like Eddie Murphy's trying to like the stuff Eddie Murphy's doing as a police officer. It's like you can't fucking do that. And I don't know. Well, it's just well, it, I, I agree with you that. But if we're gonna start dissecting what you can and can't do as a police I, officer in every oh, movie we do, no, like no, then no, no, you no, are no movie has accurate portrayal of police, uh, how police officers should act and do act. You are absolutely right. But the tone of just how it all kind of happened, yeah, I felt really uncomfortable with this scene. Yeah, like, there, it there was. was it was strange. It was the whole. I think the movie in general has that, not that not that tone, but it um, when it's making comments on racism, it doesn't do it in as much of a tongue in cheek manner as you would expect it to be. It just kind of hits it like it kind of hits it square on. Like it, it doesn't um, doesn't really. I don't know. There's no humor in it. There's no no joy in it. Not, and not that, not, not that I'm saying there should be joy in it, but you know, there's there's a way to go about commenting on stuff like that without making it seem mean and um um awkward to watch. I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this though, like whether or not any of us thought it was funny. Like if you're trying to tell me that they didn't mean for that scene to be humorous, then I would disagree with you two hundred percent. That's supposed to be a funny scene that he's like. Oh, I agree. Like, like, I agree. Oh, whether it was supposed it, whether, to be. Whether or not it is funny. Well, I, I felt like you were talking like they were using the scene to make some kind of comment oh, no. on like what I'm saying society is, or something where I think they're playing it for laughs. That's the problem. I think they're trying to play it for laughs and they are failing. Poor. And, and at first, and, and originally I was going to say like, you know, Eddie Murphy is still young and we know that later on in his career, he is able to address race in a very humorous way for his crowd and audience. But Thinking about that, too, like he was an SNL cast member and a lot of his humor on SNL was very big into racial conversations and issues. So it's right. just, I'm not I don't expect Eddie Murphy to address race in such a weird tone as this entire movie plays out to be. And I think honestly, I think that might be my biggest issue with this film is I think I again, I've seen more of Eddie Murphy since then. And I am expecting more, and it never shows up in the film. You know, and and this will okay. I'll I'll I wasn't going to do this now, but I will. This movie was originally written for Richard Pryor, and mm-hmm. I think Richard Pryor is more equipped to handle this style of commentary than Eddie Murphy was at the time. I think had yeah. had Richard Pryor been in this movie, it would have been much much better. Um, yeah, but. But he wasn't, and we have Freddie Murphy in it. Yeah. Um, okay, so they find out where uh, Sonny Landham's girlfriend's apartment is. They go there. But even and- before that, hold on, I'm sorry. I, I know I keep it. I, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, I whatever. After this bar fight scene, though, it, it just becomes more awkwardness because then Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy start beating the shit out of each other in yeah. the alleyway. That's and after, that's after that's they later. go to the... Uh, that's Is after that afterwards? To, yeah. So, yeah. I, I started skipping notes because I started really not liking the movie. I deeply apologize. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> apologize. They go to, they go to 
Billy Bear's apartment and, and they get kind of beat up with the, his girlfriend and the, the roommate, the lady from Star Trek that you guys love. Um, and it really doesn't serve a purpose other than the fact that we're going to go back to it later and they know where it is. Right. After that is when they get into the fight and they throw the fist fight. And I have a note that says, eek, Nick Nolte is very racist in this movie. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah. Right. Like so it's that, just, that it's a have... weird fight. It's a really strange fight. It's brutal. I mean, to be honest yeah. with you, they're, they're really just slugging each other. And it ends up like getting broken up because some other cops show up and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing? Um, this is also just... where I wrote so many times in this movie, Nick Nolte is being accused of not being a cop. <laughs> right? I like, just... I think it's like the third time at this point that he like has to prove that he's a police I was, officer. I was just like, somebody get Nick Nolte a lozenge because I was glad I had closed captioning on because I feel like it's, I know that's how Nick Nolte sounds, but it's hard to make out what he's saying sometimes with this like, oh, gravel. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they clean themselves up at a gas station. Um, finally, Nick Nolte gets Eddie Murphy to tell him like what the real deal is going on with this. And it was that, maybe I have this right. So like Gans and Eddie Murphy and Luther, they were like in a gang or not a gang. They were just a group. They pulled a job. They stole money from like a drug dealer. They stole, uh, I can't remember how much it was like half a million bucks, half a million dollars from a drug dealer. Uh, Gans is the one that ended up turning in Eddie Murphy. Um, but no one knew where the money was. Well, that's not true because I guess Luther knew where the money was too, but the money was in the trunk of Eddie Murphy's car. Which is um, a good point. If Luther and Eddie Murphy knew where the money was, how come Gans didn't know where the money was? Maybe he didn't know where the car was. Maybe. I don't know, I guess. But I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, and maybe they cover it a little more. Um, but I, I don't remember. So they go to the parking garage and they basically are like, okay, we'll wait for Luther to come and get the money. And he does. Uh, and they follow him. And this, this is where I have the note that says, Man, James Horner really loves steel drums <laughs> because it's during like when they're following him with the car when you really hear that. Um, so they follow Luther to a subway station. Gan shows up and it looks like he's going to give him the money. But then like uh, they all have like guns drawn and like this other like cop shows up and like Sonny Landham shoots the cop. Uh, and they kind of like chase after him in like different directions. And like Eddie Murphy goes after Luther and Nick Nolte follows uh, Sonny Landham and uh, James Remar and, and, and uh, Luther's girlfriend. They get on the subway and he's going to looks like he's going to shoot him. But then again, he gets arrested by some cops because uh, they don't know that he's a cop. Um, uh, OK, so then uh, Eddie Murphy's hanging out at this bar. I can't remember what the name of the bar is. That band is playing, which I guess is a real band that used to open up for Eddie Murphy yep. on his stand up gigs. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of like that band. They're good. Um, I thought they were yeah, uh, actually really good. R&B band. It was like yeah. an R&B club. So uh, Nick Dolte's back at the police station. <laughs> Getting his ass chewed out. Well, no. he Yeah, he is a little bit. And then, like, he has his second phone call where him and uh, Onette O'Toole argue on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, so he thinks that um, Eddie Murphy took off. Uh, you know, and like, so he's mad, but then the guy you guys, you guys knew for some reason, I have no idea who it was, like the, the other cop that's Brian there at the Jett, police yeah. station. Uh, and he's like, oh yeah, some guy from like Vice Squad called you and whatever. But he like it was like Eddie Murphy using the name that he used uh, when he was pretending to be a cop earlier. Um, so he calls him and he tells him and he meets him at the club and like, basically he was there staking out the place because Luther went to the hotel across the street. So uh, Nick Nolte basically apologizes to him kind of for being an asshole at this point. 
But did, is it me or this scene at the R&B club seem really long too? Like I kind of just wrote down like it. We get like a whole ten minute story continuing Eddie Murphy trying to get laid. Well, yeah, right. It too. just it just kind of seems like the movie like stops because I think it was supposed to be funny. I think we're literally waiting for the entire time it took Nick Nolte for, to get from the police station to this club because that's how long it felt. Like it was like maybe it wasn't quite ten minutes, but I wrote down. I'm like, oh my god, we're like we're watching just Eddie Murphy dance and. Try to fuck this chick. It was weird. It is a long scene because it is it is wild because Eddie Murphy is like, hey man, I'm sorry, or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. He's like, sorry, I'm such an asshole. He ends up giving him money so he can go across the street to the hotel and get laid. But as he's leaving the club, then he sees like he thought Luther was gonna stay until the morning, but he sees Luther leaving now. So he runs to get Nick Nolte. They follow him. Luther meets up with Gans and Sonny Landham on a bus because apparently they stole a whole bus. Yeah, how'd um, they get the bus? <laughs> the, uh, deleted scene, maybe. So uh, he gets the money from Luther. He shoots Luther. What happens to Luther's girlfriend? Undetermined. <laughs> um, then we get what is a very, I don't know, not exciting chase between a city bus and Nick Nolte's Shooting car where they're kind of like shooting at each other a little bit. They get run off the road and they crash into a car dealership. Okay, cut back to the police station and the angry police captain is very angry at this point. Uh, He's yelling at Nick Nolte more, basically like you messed up the case. Uh, And he's like, okay, I'm gonna take Eddie Murphy back to prison. This didn't work out. Um, So they stop to have a drink. uh, and, And for some reason, while they stopped to have the drink, they're like, Hey, we need. We should go back to Billy Bear's place and see if he's there. Uh, and it turns- which isn't it dumb as hell that they would return back to their house? Like, wouldn't well, the girlfriends have tipped them off that, like, hey, there are cops here. You probably shouldn't be hiding here. I mean, I think maybe they thought the cops had already been there at this point. They're not. They weren't going to come back. Yeah. yeah right. I, I, I felt mean, like was, I would find anywhere. I have five hundred thousand dollars in a <laughs> in this briefcase. Like, let's get the hell out of town. But whatever. So, um, <laughs> so they go there, and and, and uh, Gans and Billy Bear are there. Uh, Eddie Murphy ends up killing uh, Billy Bear because he has a gun on Billy Bear, and Billy Bear goes goes at him with a knife. Yeah, he's got LPJ. Mark? He's got LPJ's knife. That's <laughs> yeah, what he knife he's got. And I guess he doesn't think maybe that Eddie Murphy has the stones to do it, but he does because he kills him. Um, and they chase Gans out of the apartment. Gans still has Eddie Murphy's gun. And I know this is like, this comes up all the time in movies, but I feel like he sh- fires that gun like 18 times. Oh, yeah. And it's like a six shooter, question mark? It looks like it. Yeah, it's a revolver. Um. So, uh, so, so... <laughs> So he's got like Eddie Murphy, but Nick Nolte ends up like shooting uh, Gans while he's holding Eddie Murphy. And then like, it's that really weird bit where like James Remar is like acting so surprised that he got shot or like, like, I don't know. Like, wasn't that kind of like a weird bit? Like when he shoots him, he shoots him once and he's like, I got shot. Like, he's like, it's just, it was weird. It was, it was real weird. Yeah, the whole cl- the whole climax that and like you mentioned earlier, like Billy getting, like, like that's how you ended that was you just like Eddie Murphy just fucking shot him and that was it. Like there wasn't any sort of conflict or or fight that went on. Now, and I weird. can't re- I can't remember. He shoots James Remar and James Remar freaks out about getting shot. Does he end up shooting him again? To, like, no, he just dies. 
Okay, he just dies. So <laughs> after that, yeah. Billy uh, gets shot. I think twice. Billy I think Eddie Murphy out. shoots Billy. Yeah. So after that, um, Nick Dolte finally lets Eddie Murphy get laid. <laughs> Yeah. Which, which is, by the way, I feel bizarre that this lady he met in the club, he showed up at her house, apparently, and was like, hey, I'm the convict you met in the club. Let's, you know, fuck. let's... Take yeah. it to the bone zone. Yeah. Um, speaking so, of the word fuck, guess how many times the word fuck was mentioned in this movie? 48 times. 48. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, Nick Nolte is basically like, hey, you know what? I'm going to let you keep this money. You're going to get out of prison in six months. So I'm not going to, you know, like it'll be here when you get out. But like, maybe I'll take a loan to buy a new car. (laughs) Uh, And then they're presumably driving Eddie Murphy back to prison. And they're buds now, question mark? The end. Wouldn't that money be contraband? Uh, Like if Eddie Murphy admitted it came from drug dealers, shouldn't it be confiscated? It's probably what well, would happen, but well, yeah, but I, I think I think what we're supposed to be is like Nick. They have a begrudging oh, yeah, respect right. and friendship, so Nick Nolte's kind of like, ah, you know what? You're going to get out of prison soon. Just keep it, right? I know, but then wouldn't that create a weird dynamic between the two of them if they stay buddies? You got I, I feel Eddie like, Murphy now with five hundred grand, and Nick Nolte still driving a shitty. Well, I don't know. Watch, like, watch the sequel and tell us. I feel like I, the, I feel I like. I feel like the characterization of Nick Nolte is supposed to be that he doesn't give a shit about money. So like he doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't, you know, he drives a beat up car and it's fine. And I don't know. I don't know. What don't does he to... care about? Cause he doesn't seem to like his girlfriend either, but he cares yeah. about being a cop question mark. He cared that uh, Jonathan Banks got shot, but maybe that was just cause it was with his own gun. I don't know. That was really <laughs> the most, that was the most emotion he had was when Jonathan Banks died. Oh, I didn't want to beat the living shit out of Eddie Murphy, but Oh, that band at uh, Romans, they're called the Bus Boys. Sorry, yep. I forgot about that. Um, so, anything yeah. else that anyone has? I'm going you, through my notes. So, do either of you plan on seeing the sequel? No. Because I, I quickly looked at it online, yeah. and apparently it's a lot worse. No, I, I don't. Okay. Uh, it, try, it tried to autoplay into it on uh, Paramount Plus when I finished this one. And I was because, like, I'm oh, <laughs> stuck with Norbit, and you got another 48 hours. I'm going to ruin the twist for you guys. The bad guy in it is the other cop. Oh, it's Kehoe? It's Kehoe. The whole thing is like there's this drug dealer in town who's running all kinds of drugs, and he has like a weird assumed name, like, like, the shadow or something shitty like that. And nobody can figure out who he is. And then it turns out to be Kehoe. Well, wait, and it, isn't it weird? This is one of those things where like this movie is 1982 and another 48 hours is what? 1990. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a pretty big jump ahead in time. Like, or, or a pretty big gap. Yeah, There's a big them, gap. Which is odd. I'm clicking on it now. Cause I want to make sure it's not 90 or 91. Uh, it is 1990. Okay. Yep. So, um, well, uh, do you want to do the role reversals then? LBJ? Yeah, I still have a couple. Um, so it, it originally, it, it, this is weird. So originally the movie was written for Clint Eastwood back in the 70s. It was the him and Richard Pryor. Um, and then it, eventually it just fell apart. Uh, and then it got resurrected again with um, Nick Nolte was going to be in it with Richard Pryor and then Richard Pryor couldn't do it or, or didn't do it for whatever reason. And then it was going to be Gregory Hines in it. And then he had to drop out. Um, and that's when it went to, uh, that's when it went to Eddie Murphy. But as far as like 
the Reggie Hammond character, I, I think Richard Pryor would have done a much better job with this. Um, yeah. I think it would have been a better movie overall with, with Richard Pryor in it. I think this movie made in the 70s would have been a better movie. I See, I don't know. you know, And that's one of the things about this film. Well, I'll, I'll go back to that. Hold on. So as far as Jack, as far as Jack Hates go, yes, it was Clint Eastwood. Um, other other people uh, apparently up for this role but turned it down was Mickey Rourke. I feel like he would have been way too young. Yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone um, would have been not great. And then Burt Reynolds. I think Burt Reynolds would have been fine. Yeah. Mm, yeah uh, and then uh, Jeff Bridges, who I think also would have been a little too young. And, uh, yeah. and Chris Christopherson, who I could definitely see in this role. Like Chris Christopherson and Nick Nolte are kind of like one A one B. Whisker, yeah. You know, while Eddie Murphy was causing all the ruckus at the country bar, Chris Christopherson goes just gotten on the stage with a guitar and started playing. playing. He could have. He could have. Oh Um, boy. All right, I'll say I'm I'm good. That's good for now. I'll save the rest (laughs) of my comments for my review. That's good for now. This is your section. Yeah, no, I, well, I, have, no, I have no other ones. I was going to bring up more, but I'll wait for the, my review to do it. I don't think we have anything else to say, so I think, is it good to just get right into the review here? All right, we can. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's hit the button. Let's here we go. Let's do it, yeah. And we're going to make you go first. All right, I'll go first. It's fine. Um, yeah, so so I guess piggybacking on what I was talking about, this movie being made in the 70s you were talking about, this is a weird movie. Um, it feels like it feels like a very transitional movie. It feels like it, it does still have one foot in the seventies, like the old seventies cop dramas, um, while trying to get in while 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 being kind of the prototypical um, action movie that you'd see in the eighties later on, like maybe two or three years down the road. Uh, it's also kind of got elements of everything that you would eventually see in like buddy comedies and buddy cop movies and action films. Um, so I appreciate it on that level. I appreciate it on the fact that it's like it's it's sort of the the wellspring that everything else kind of comes forth from. Um, but I don't think it actually succeeds at any point. <laughs> like I don't think this movie is funny. I don't think there's enough action in it. Um, I don't think it has enough heart in the movie to make what's to make the dialogue bearable. Um, I don't buy the chemistry between Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Um, I don't care about the plot. It's not very good. I don't think it looks particularly good. I think it's kind of a <laughs> tough movie to even watch physically with my eyes. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. With it doesn't fucking sound steel drums. good. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not, let's not, let's not disparage the steel drums. Like the, those might be the best part of the movie. The, the bright parts in this movie were the Bus Boys band. I enjoyed them quite a bit. I thought they were great. Um, I I'm trying to find good things to say about this. I liked that. I didn't have to pay to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, you know. I would never what, watch what? this. I would never How watch this movie again. Guns? I would never watch this movie again. Um, but I, I do think like it's not an important movie. But I think it, 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 it there's a merit to watching it once. So I'm going to give it two machine guns. 
Jeez, that was a long walk to get to your two machine two guns. Machine, but and honestly, the only reason why it's two machine guns is because I think in a historical standpoint, with all the rest of the movies that come after it, this is kind of an important film to watch in that regard. But it's not a very good movie. Um, I'll go next. Um, yeah, I, 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 this was not an enjoyable watch. Um, uh, you touched on some of the stuff. It's not funny enough to be considered a comedy. It doesn't have enough action to be considered an action movie. Uh, the performances aren't great. It doesn't like it. it, it the plot is boring. It's not a very long movie, but I feel like it took me forever to watch it just because it was uninteresting. You can tell there's a lot of things they cut. Um, I, I I don't even agree with you in as much as like, yeah, oh, like, I think this you can skip this one. Like, I get it. And I, I think there's some valid points to be made as to like, this is like the prototype for what would go on in the 80s and what the, eventually the buddy cop movie would be. But like, there are way better examples. And just as a like, I don't know. I, I, I say skip this because I didn't really enjoy it. And I'll uh, I mean, like it, it wasn't the worst thing I ever watched here. So I'm going to give it uh, one and a half machine guns. I don't have much more to say. Uh, <laughs> LPJ's uh, evaluation there was pretty spot on with what I would have said. But at the same time, I agree with Hovercraft Joe that this is not a movie that needs to be watched and skipped completely. There are plenty of other examples afterwards that can kind of help you move through the motions of how action movies have been today. Uh, and I'm going to go even lower than Hovercraft Drill. I'm only giving this thing one machine gun. There was, there was nothing I liked from this film. It was not good. It wasn't fun. It wasn't funny. It just sucked. Like, it was bad. The only thing I am kind of curious about is not that I'd ever really want to watch another 48 hours, but I do wonder if being eight years you know 1990 not that like 1990 was the most progressive time in history but like is another 48 hours does it is it i'll just put this bluntly is it less racist does it do a better job than this movie does not that it's like a a beacon of race relations but does it do a better job with the subject or at least not be so offensive through the lens of today as this movie is i guess that's my my assumption Yeah, I would assume it is, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It and you know, for when you mentioned the Rotten Tomatoes and how high this movie was, the Rotten Tomatoes is very low for another forty eight hours. <laughs> well, so. the good news is we are out of the year of the sequel, so we will not be contractually obligated to uh watch it unless this podcast goes on till we're all old and gray, although me and <laughs> LPJ are only gray already. Um, and maybe it'll come around for the second year of the sequel. But hey, I, yeah. I appreciate you not putting me in there for old and gray. Well, I, know my, I mean, my beard's you're not almost, a, my beard's you're not a spring getting like Gandalf. Things, but. <laughs> I'm getting Gandalf color in my beard now. Oh, well, maybe me and Sphinx will throw you off a bridge and you'll come back as uh, LPJ the White. Oh, I could, you know, I'd do that. I'd be all right with that. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, you look more like Sauron if you ask me. But. You're not wrong. I do actually. <laughs> but yeah, no. This is this is a skip, and this is one that I, I I'm going to be kind of curious to see. You know, like if we get feedback on the Discord about this one, like people that like this movie, this is another one where it's kind of like, all right, well, what what exactly do you like about this movie? I'll be curious to see because there, you know, like there is all you know. Obviously, people like this movie. I don't know. Like, I don't know if we have anyone. You know, like. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if we get feedback on this one. Me too. And I'd also be interested to know when the last time is that they watched it. That's right? true. That, 
that could be so you know because again this is an era of early 80s where a lot of people our age probably watched this when they were a lot younger and like have you watched this in the last 10 years type of yeah Sometimes you rewatch a movie that was important in your childhood, like me and Dick Tracy, and you're like, man, there are a lot more musical numbers in this movie than I remember. <laughs> or Batman Forever, when you thought that was great as a kid, and you're like, oh my god, that's fucking trailer trash. Uh, this is unrelated, but I just want to say that the precedent has been thrown down that we probably should do Batman and Robin at some point, now that we've done Batman, Batman Returns, and Batman Forever, so I'm just throwing it out there. After doing oh, Batman God. Returns and know, Batman man. Forever, I, I don't know. I'm gonna need some time before that one comes yeah, out. That's gonna be. That's. Gonna I do be a miss late the last action. Entry. Yeah, I do miss the last action podcast uh, gifts on uh, on the Discord of all the stupid jokes. No, I'm good. <laughs> we don't need to see any more Batman gifts. Uh, I think they totally need to be back. Um, right. So, anything else, or are we putting forty-eight hours to bed? Let's put it to bed. We're, we're locking it up. At, we're locking it up in the trunk of Eddie Murphy's car and putting it back in that parking garage. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, that was the same parking garage from Roadhouse, where uh, Patrick Swayze <laughs> stored his car. By the way. Uh, also, nice. I think I, I think I saw that the guy working the uh, like the guy you talked to running or whatever yeah. working the booth was. Uh, in the Warriors, I don't know who he was in the Warriors, but oh. apparently he was also in the Warriors. So, all right, there you go. Uh, all, all right, right. <laughs> can you dig it? Oh, sorry, <laughs> not right. Movie. Uh, well, can you dig that we are the last action podcast? We are here every Monday on any place podcasts are available. Uh, we're also on GameZillaMedia.com. You can check us out at GameZillaMedia.com and. Check out our page there. All of our back episodes are on there. We've got links to all the other shows on the network. Uh, and we also have a link at the bottom of the page for our Discord. So we were talking earlier about GIFs on the Discord and uh, memes. And we have a, a, a pretty robust community of people. Uh, not just Our Discord actually includes a section for us, but it includes a section for all of the other podcasts on the network. So you can mix and match and chat with anybody you want. Uh, and we we welcome any kind of um, uh, any kind of recommendations you can make for the year of the underrated, underappreciated, uh, or under the radar films, action films. Uh, send us those uh, those requests, and we'll see if we can fulfill them for you. Um, and uh, you can check us out. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. What was that? I? I lost my train of thought. Facebook, Instagram. Facebook. Thank you. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, uh, we're kind of all over the place. So uh, if you want to get in contact with us, those are great places to do it as well. Um, so uh, thanks for checking us out. We appreciate it. And uh, I don't know, you guys want to add anything? Want to plug anything? Do you know that this episode is going to be released in almost 48 hours? <laughs> I oh, mean, wow. he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> Uh, All right, you know what? Well played, Sphinx. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like, done. Like, I'm not. I'm done for the night. So. Okay. <laughs> this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. 48 hours. <laughs>